Hello and welcome to We Are History. I'm Angela Barnes I'm and I'm Johnny. here with... I'm, I'm, I'm Johnny Farrell. Are you sure? You sounded a bit... That. I think I came in too early. When you said I'm Angela Barnes, I was going to jump in with, and I'm John O'Farrell, but no, you were... I was treading all over you going, and with me is... So that's... That's just, all right. That's a kind I'm of a woman, John. Me. I'm used to men treading all over me. It's not a problem. <laughs> well, what you get onto in your own time is... What you're into is up to Oh, no, you. I'm treading on them for... Okay. No, no, let's not go down let's that go. Okay, road. Okay. <laughs> what are we talking about this week, Angela? We had been doing lots of um, primary school national curriculum stuff hadn't we but i we have but then we watched a telly program oh yes the whole world has watched i hope and if you haven't you really should um because it's incredible and that's a program called it's a sin um, russell t davies yeah cashing in on the popularity yes of it's a sin but no having said that you know we do like to talk about things we're interested in and periods and i am a big fan as you know of modern 20th century history and this and is a big old chunk of we're it we're responding to the national conversation about the aids exactly. crisis or just giving it away it's the aids crisis we're doing right. yeah in case anyone hadn't got that we are doing the aids crisis of the 1980s pandemic a national you know a big pandemic again mm. a little bit topical there when covid happened last year yeah. you know and lots of people going oh it's the first time in our lifetime we've got a you know lots of my gay friends were going well it's the first time in your well, lifetime, right. yeah. but <laughs> yes. not the first time in my lifetime, you yes. know, that we've gone through a, a pandemic and something this scary. Yeah. Um, so we thought we'd look at the, the sort of history of the AIDS crisis and particularly focus on the 1980s, which, um, well, sort you of know, when it came to you the and fall. I both lived through it, John, but I was a, a small child. I was a student. So by the time AIDS became sort of really known about, I mean, it was it was around and mm. people are aware of it in the gay community, but uh, I didn't really yeah. become aware of it till the mid 80s. So I was lucky enough to be young in between mm. the sexual revolution and the onset of AIDS. And I still have one girlfriend the entirety of university. I mean, it's pathetic, oh, isn't it? Oh, John. All the girls used to go, oh, you're nice, John. You're not like the other boys who always trying to sleep with you. Oh, it's did like, you get friends, I got. I was like, oh, you're friendly, John. It's rubbish. I was rubbish. I wish I had that time <laughs> ever again. So I I'm going to be leaving You had that time one. over again, John. Exactly I, I the would, same thing would happen know, again, I'm sure. I'm sure. So I'm going to be so leading yes, on this John, one. John, you're going to lead on this one. Because uh, yep. Angela did last week. So I've got my script here. So AIDS was sent by Almighty God to punish the sinful oh, of Sodom. Whoa, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, whoa. Oh, that's the wrong script. That's for the, my other part. <gasps> I do this evangelical podcast so with uh, <laughs> I'm in the wrong one. <laughs> now, I would say, actually, that a, the greatest social change in our lifetime is probably mm. the mainstream attitude to gay people. So when I was a yeah. kid, the hostility was so open towards homosexuals, so universal, really, absolutely the norm. If you remember the, the Cambridge spies in the 1950s, you don't remember them, but remember reading and talking about them. They were not only communists yeah. and traitors, but they were homosexuals, which sort of proved the yeah. point. They were traitors on every front on to their queen and to their gender. Homosexuals were often recruited, weren't they? Because mm. it gave handlers a blackmail be... opportunity. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's not a coincidence that a lot of spies of that era were also homosexual yeah yeah but then the police uh you know would target homosexuals uh... absolutely police would target known gay haunts they beat up homosexual men uh and, and most people the the prevailing thought of society was that those men were asking for it by being gay yeah um and and gay people lived in fear and i think you know we're not saying at any point john that homophobia doesn't exist anymore and we'll come on to that yeah <laughs> but we can't really overestimate how much people lived in fear 
and the self-loathing um, and, and the, the secrecy yeah. and, and and people were genuinely and disgusted by it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and because it was so rejected by society, if yes. you were gay, the shame would be too much, maybe, yeah. or, you you know, yeah, the self-loathing. So, suicides, yeah. And there was also a conflation of um, homosexuality and paedophilia. So it was like, oh, mm. well, we can't have them working where children are working. So I remember when I was a child actor which i keep mentioning but i was a child actor and there was very strict rules about always being with a chaperone and i remember my mum saying who's a very progressive woman saying well they have to be so careful because there's so many queers in the theater and it was just like i was thinking oh that must be why then because that's what my mum says the yeah. reason is that they have to have strict rules about chaperone that's it's, it's if if you tick one box of sexual deviancy you must tick all of yeah, them yeah yeah i think it's that you know well if you're yeah. deviant in this way, then you've got the potential to be deviant yeah. in all the ways. So right up until um, 1967, homosexuality uh, was an imprisonable offence. They thought it was a disease. And the only way to yep. cure this disease was to lock them up for years with just men. That's, that's That'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a friend who's a lesbian and she had this lovely thing um, that she said that she was sent to an all-girls school because her parents didn't want her being distracted by boys. And she said, <laughs> and it did the trick. <laughs> Well, I mean, lesbians hardly got a mention in any of this legislation at the time. It's like, well, no, it's, well, it was sort of seen lesbianism yeah. was kind of um, benign, wasn't it? I suppose in the minds of well, it was still, it was still, uh, they, were, they were still discriminated against. The the, the, the first out oh, MP yeah. died this week. The Labour MP from the 1960s. Now I feel terrible. I've forgotten her name. It's Colquhoun, I think. How do you pronounce it? C-O-L-Q-U-O-N. But she was handed out of her party for being uh, a lesbian in the 70s. I think people have a more visceral reaction, don't they? Yes. To, I suppose, the more visceral act, as it's seen, of being... Yeah. So it wasn't until 1967 that Roy Jenkins you know, managed to get it through the House of Commons that homosexuality was legalised. That whole debate was couched in terms of we shouldn't punish these people with this disease. Mm. And it was legal at 21, in a private place. And, and so people were prosecuted for sleeping together in a shared house when oh, they were yeah, in bed absolutely absolutely whatever. and it was passed by one vote so it shows you that anything mm. more progressive like uh age of consent 18 or anything like that it would have fallen in, in the late failed. in the 60s incredible i mean it's worth mentioning here i think that you know you say about it being framed as a disease in the dsm which is the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders which is um it's a US American psychiatry thing, but we use it here in mental health services as well right. to determine what is a disorder and what isn't. Mm -hmm. And homosexuality was listed in that until 1973. Wow. And it was listed in the International Classification of Diseases, which is the World Health Organization's similar document. It was listed in that, I think, until the 77. Well, still many places in the world where it's illegal. Oh, but it wasn't just that it was illegal. That I mean, it was seen as a, a disease. disease yeah. Framed yeah. as a disease yeah. is what I'm talking I mean, still, you know, obviously we've got places now, Russia, Uganda, yeah, all sorts of places. Many, where many countries in Africa, yeah. But in the 1970s, there's a, there was a slight yeah. sea change in the progressive fringes of uh, Western society. Certainly on the left, attitudes started to change. Uh, Left-wing councils started to think about equality for gay people. San Francisco, of course, was a great um, a mecca for people coming out in America. You'd have the Stonewall riots yes. in 69, yes. weren't they, I think? Yes, and then so the notion of gay pride started to become a thing. Uh, gay mm. people sort of started to live their lives in the open. And you thought, okay, we might be on the road to a less cruel existence for homosexual people. It felt people. like a progression to this yes. point, doesn't it? Towards sort of freedom from fear yes. and freedom of... I mean, there's always the you know, backlash. special sexuality. There's always backlashes. Like the GLC, the Labour Council would have a gay rights officer and it'd be all over the Daily Mail that your money was being spent on perversion, mm. you know. But no one saw coming that there would be a disease that seemed to be 
targeting gay men. This was such a weird concept. But it feels like something that a right-wing conspiracy nut well, that's what they thought. would come up that's, with. That's what lots of people you know. thought. So young men were turning up in hospitals with diseases that young men wouldn't normally have. So yep, pneumonia. Rare cancers. Yeah, and... Pneumonia is normally only in the very young, the very old. Uh, the cancer, yes, Carposis sarcoma is the name of the uh, rare cancer that they often that, got. That's the purple that's lesions right. that were yeah, really yeah, they, yeah. yeah, and that's not normally yeah. young men. And this was in America, wasn't it, in the sort of that's what early it, 80s? That's where it, became, so it came to attention first. In that population yes, amongst gay yes. men particularly. And the yeah. first UK death had been in 81, I think. And then uh, 1982, yeah. Terry Higgins died and uh, his partner set up the Terence Higgins Trust. But it took a long time after that for awareness to build. Because it seems so fantastical. It's like, because nobody was dying of AIDS, people were dying of pneumonia or, you know, uh, these rare cancers. It was men being nursed on isolation wards. Like the bleakness of that, because people didn't know what was causing these infections and, you know, how infectious they were and why these rare cancers were popping up all over the place. So terrified. And, yeah, you hear stories about nurses refusing to nurse. Yes, Patients a, and, you know. Yeah, there's a scene in it, it's a scene where somebody's, and it's based on historical fact, that somebody was isolated in a ward, no one was allowed in, and it was like the sort of PPE mm. just to go in and treat them. There was a conference at Conway Hall in 1983 where Gay Switchboard and uh, the Gay Medical Association organised a conference and said, you know, what the hell is this? They invited yeah. an American guest over from San Francisco or wherever. And Mark Ashton, who you'll remember as the lead character in Pride. Um, so that was the, the gays and lesbians who yeah, supported the, the minors. Yeah, he, the he would, strike. Now, minors strike episode. We talked that's about right. He would go on to Mark do that. Ashton. But he stood up and yeah. asked the American guest there, do you think this disease is a plot by the CIA to kill gay men? And the American gay man said, yes, it could be. That was how weird this whole thing was because people didn't understand. There was it. up until the 90s, I think, there was um, in Soviet Russia, there was a big conspiracy theory that it was a man-made disease that had been sort of spread in order to... People want to believe these conspiracies, yeah. don't they? When people don't know what it is, it's always a government conspiracy. Well, I think I think people weirdly feel... Because otherwise it's chaos. It, there's order in a conspiracy. There's it's meaning. It, yeah. human, human beings are in control somewhere right. if it's a conspiracy, isn't it? If the CIA have done it, that's... Otherwise, it's a, a mystery of nature and it's it's chaos and it's got no sense, no right... You know, yeah, that's absolutely. more scary to people, yes, I think. Yes, yes. Um, uh, uh, oh, it's much easier to think Bill Gates has done Well, this. I mean, they looked to Ronald Reagan to say... Uh, and, mm. and, the, and, the, and America was looking to for leadership... And his uh, press secretary was asked about it. And Larry Speaks, ironically about this, would not speak. Eventually, he said, no. um, well, I don't have it. Do you? And that was their attitude. No. Well, the problem, you have, I mean, Ronald Reagan particularly was elected with help of the moral majority. It was all about, yes, you know, he family was very values and, yeah. family values driven, conservative yeah. Republican. And so he was never going to lead from the front on this, yes. on a disease that seemed to be affecting only yes. homosexuals. So he said nothing about it yeah. for five years, Incredible. which to, to us today seems insane. Yeah. That, um, you know, there were these desperate people calling for action and help and support and nothing. Yeah. Yes. And so instead it was uh, homophobia filling the vacuum. Well, because if your leaders aren't standing up and saying, you know, this is not the fault of this community, this thing is happening to them. Yeah. Then you assume, well, it must be the fault of this community. Society as a whole is is make, jumping to the same conclusion. Exactly, because right? it, was, it wasn't only homosexuals; it was drug users seemed to suffer mm. from it as well, and um, mm. sex workers. So um, 
they were like, well, it seems to be, you know, people who were sort of evangelical Christians seem to think, well, maybe this is the wrath of God. We're back on Cromwell like last week. Mm. They called it the, uh, it was called GRID, Gay Related Immune Disorder, a mm. 4-H disease because it affected homosexuals, hemophiliacs, heroin users and hyacians. Uh, which is a, 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 a gag that is in It's a Sin. You know, anyone beginning with a name with H yeah. can be worried. Uh, so they had other, you know, less common terms for this illness was uh, gay lymph node think... sy- sy- syndrome, gay cancer, gay plague was used quite a lot by the tabloids, mm. homosexual syndrome until the um, uh, the CDC, which is the... Centre for Disease Control. Uh, no, for yeah. uh, classification, I think, the season. Yes, yes. Right. They used the name AIDS in uh, September 82. It was, wasn't until uh, 1986 that HIV was was uh, coined. Sort of identified yeah. and named, wasn't yeah. it, as the virus that causes AIDS. Yeah. I think also, I mean, in the 80s, what we didn't know then was obviously these epidemics were hitting heterosexual populations. In places like Africa, the disease was running rife through, you know, not just through homosexual... Yes. Well, this was something they were going to discover. So, this was something that was yet to be yeah, learned. Yeah, exactly. So, it, you know, this narrative that it was a homosexual disease was all we had at that time. Well, yes. The only narrative yes. that we had at that time. I mean, time. I was amazed to discover doing the research this, that HIV goes right back to the early 20th century. 1930s, right? Well, no, earlier. They reckon that gene, because they can actually date mutations, mm. and they think it uh, mutated sometime between 1915 and 1932. Oh, yeah. yeah. There was a disease in the African monkey called the sooty mangabe, so don't get a pet sooty mango bay. Uh, these, right. uh, these were preyed on by chimpanzees. And then the, uh, what was called the SIV virus. Simian. Simian, yes. Uh, mutated into uh, HIV. And that was, uh, yeah. uh, that was at some point back then. There was a belief that humans originally caught AIDS in Africa by having sex with chimpanzees. There's no evidence for that. It's just one but of those... that really played into, didn't it, the hands of the deviant yes, gays yes, going, yes. well... You know, obviously someone's fucked a monkey and these deviants have brought this upon themselves. Because like you were saying earlier about the conflation of of paedophilia with gay men, who's likely to fuck a monkey? A gay person, obviously. They're probably just sharing needles with the monkeys. That's probably what it was. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, No, in fact, what they think happened was that there's a big consumption of uh, what's called bush meat, which is chimpanzee Mm -hmm. meat, and the blood involved in the butchering of the animal into the human bloodstream if they're cutting their finger mm-hmm. when they're chopping it up and that probably happened many times over in different parts of africa um, well also i mean you know we're currently in a pandemic yes. caused by Bat. a wet market in china yeah it's almost like maybe we shouldn't be eating the meat yeah i know i don't know i know uh, i don't want to be all radical vegan no, about I know, this but, job, but... killing chips for their meat itself was a cause of you know africans being driven off traditional lands during the colonialization so huge increase yeah. in prostitution and travel as european empires carved up africa and as you say yep. people were starting to have unusual dietary changes like eating chimpanzee meat or eating chimpanzee, bat meat yeah. in china and suddenly yeah. this mutation spreads so in the 60s lots of haitians are assisting the belgian congo after their chaotic independence yes yes so th- and the disease comes back to haiti yes right? weirdly because the Belgians sort of just abandoned uh, the, the Congo or Zaire as it would become, yeah. DRC. Um, loads of uh, the United Nations, but loads of Haitians in there to help the administration at the sort of civil service level. And mm. um, uh, the strain of HIV responsible for almost all AIDS cases in the United States uh, spread from there to New York City. Uh, so it came from, sorry, it came from wow. 
Zaire to uh, Haiti around 1967, and then spread from there to New right. York City around 71, and then to San Francisco around 1976. This all this could be tracked amazingly. And how was it getting from? Well, by people having gay sex. So uh, right. we might need to explain why gay sex is more likely to transmit it than others because the business, yeah. this is not for the primary school curriculum, but the business yeah. of <laughs> anal sex is more likely to result in a, uh, a fissure and a, a, a bit a of blood, a, a slight yeah. bleed. And you might have the mixing of semen and blood is uh, more likely to spread that bloodborne infection than... The skin's very thin yeah. in that... Yeah area and is much more likely to yeah, yeah. but also Haiti was selling blood plasma to the United States and they were reusing bags and there was sterilization mm. issues so it could be that a load of Haitian infected blood went to the United States around this time as well to New York right and Haiti was also a sex tourism destination for gay Americans right, so there's several routes that although they do think it all came taken. via this one link there's a myth isn't there of this patient zero is yes it was a flight attendant was it? a French Canadian flight attendant yeah. and um, was said to be promiscuous and he was very much used as a scapegoat for infecting all of america yes the new york post even described him with the headline the man who gave us aids which is yes, a bit harsh i mean horrific yeah absolutely horrific yeah but research into dating the mutation proved that he was completely innocent of this and what had actually happened i think is he'd been marked down as patient o which stood for outside of southern california and it had been misinterpreted as patient zero wow he, he had had sex with quite a few people on the list of the early uh cases there were about 250 cases yeah. and he'd had sex with about 40 of them because they all said who yeah. have your partner's been uh but yeah. the idea that one man is guilty for spreading this across the, the world because he was a flight attendant it's a total myth. Well, it's a it's a it's a too convenient to scapegoating um yeah and uh of course, the tabloids, you know, like to put a, went to town. Uh, went on to it. town, like to put a face on it. So we're now in the early eighties. Yes, and the epidemic is taking thousands of young lives, and I think that's what. So I was very young at this point. I was what we're talking early eighties now. Yeah. So I was only six or seven, so I didn't. You know, it wasn't until later on when the adverts were on the telly and yeah. stuff that we'd come to that I really was aware of it. Yeah, but it's. Thousands of young men yes. dying the prime of their and life. nobody really wants to yeah. talk about it because they were homosexual men. And they didn't want to think about what they did, actually. They didn't want to talk about it. And somehow yeah. their distaste seems sort of vindicated now. Yeah. And then a big reality check, I suppose, was in October 1985 when Rock Hudson died. Uh, yeah. And suddenly a beloved celebrity, a person that Americans could relate to, they didn't realise he was gay. Yeah. He put a sort of human face on the disease. He made it sort yeah. of human and something they had to confront. There's a playwright who wrote a play about all this. He said if Rock's, he put this line into his play, if Rock Hudson can have it, nice people can have it. It's just a disease, not a moral affliction. Uh, Jesus. So finally, if Rock Hudson can have it. Nice people can have that's it. Sort of, homosexuals, John, are not nice. No, he was people. he was putting that into the words of a character. Yeah, I think. no, yeah, I know. Yeah. So, but I think um, what was also interesting is, and this goes back. I mean, it's not like homosexuality hasn't been a thing forever. Yes, and quite often, you know, how often does it come out that, particularly during the time when homosexuality was illegal, that politicians, whatever, who are voting against you know, things yeah. are at the same time using rent boys yeah. or, yeah, yeah. you know, but there's always been a double standards of people having to hide their homosexuality and, and sort of yes. outwardly demonstrate, you know, a, a, an extremism against it. And I think it was only really when Rock Hudson died a bit that it started being like, oh, actually there's a lot of people in public life are gay. Yeah. 
Next, they'll, next um, they'll be saying Liberal Archie is gay. You know, yeah, exactly. Just never found um, the right woman, did he? Bless him. Yes, right. <laughs> so, so Rock Hudson has died. Um, mm-hmm. Hundreds of thousands of young men are dying. Hemophiliacs are dying. Uh, drug users are yep. dying. And I, suddenly, I think it comes the point where governments are going to have to pull their socks up. That seems like a good point to take a break. To try yep. and imagine what it's like to live during a pandemic. And, uh, oh, I can't imagine. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll be back after this word from our sponsors. Hello and welcome back to We Are History. We have been talking about the AIDS crisis of the 1980s. Um, so we're now, we're in the middle of the 80s, John. Yep. And AIDS, at this point, was a death sentence. No one knew how many people had HIV. All we really knew was if you had HIV, it could lie dormant for years. Yeah. But that was the virus that would cause AIDS. Yes. Um, So HIV and AIDS, I mean, most of us just sort of know this now, but just in case anyone doesn't, they're not the same thing. No. HIV is a virus that can lead to AIDS. Yes. Um, And AIDS, there's no cure and um yes was a death sentence so, so aids you don't die of aids you die of something else like pneumonia because your immune system yeah. is completely wiped out yeah, those, yes, other... it's acquired immune deficiency syndrome there used to be a great big neon advert on chiswick flyover advertising lucas aid which used to say lucas aid aids recovery and uh they have to change that <laughs> it's like oh <laughs> no it's not aids so recovery lucas aid aids yeah. recovery no not aids recovery lucas aid aids recovery <laughs> Yeah. Been their, no, no, that's too much. It's been their slogan for years. That. They that and they thought, oh no, we better change this now. So <laughs> they took down the big oh, neon flushing thing. So my uh, my uh, good friend and neighbour Richard Smith, uh, you know Arthur Smith, the comedian. His brother is a neighbour yes. of mine, right? And he was the editor of the BMJ around this time, and oh, he's yeah. also the TV doctor on Good Morning Britain. So every, he was, yeah. every, and every week he was supposed to be talking about health matters and stuff. And he said to them, "Look, we've got to talk about AIDS. This is like a massive new deal. This is at this time. This is at this time. About. Yeah, sorry." And the right. producers like so it wasn't called Good Morning Britain then. No, was it was it? Breakfast TV with Frank Boff and Celine right, Scott. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yes. Yeah, was, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, um, he was saying we've got to talk about AIDS, and the producer was like, "Are you yeah. insane? What a family show at <laughs> breakfast talking about getting a fatal disease from anal sex? It's like we're not talking about that." Here's Selena with the dog that's learned to yodel. Oh God! <laughs> you know, but so, that's the thing, is it? Because people were afraid of talking about it in. Um, schools or in anywhere yeah. anyone who's worked in in health services will know the best thing for any any prevention is better than cure yes, yes. <laughs> and the best way to prevent is with information absolutely but when the information involves talking openly about anal sex suddenly people not so up for the uh well yes i mean we'll get on to that but thatcher thought it would encourage yeah. people to do it if they if you mentioned it she thought it would give everyone the idea so we'll come on to that but the atmosphere in 86 was such that the chief constable of manchester james anderton he said that AIDS victims were swirling in a human cesspit of their own making, um, which was uh, so he was chastised for that by the inspector of constabulary, who said his language only helped the case of left wing militants. Oh, my so goodness. So this is me. what we're up against. Keep that to yourself, James, because yeah. you'll just piss off the lefties. Yes. Fucking hell. Yes. So and then, I mean. We're talking now, aren't we? We're coming on talking about Section 28, um, this, which I think in itself would be a, an episode of oh We Are God. History One Day. Yeah, well, uh, maybe. Um, um, for anyone that doesn't know what Section 28 is, it was a clause in, I can't remember the name of the act. No, neither can I. 
It was a local education it, act, I think, actually. I think local it was, government yes, act. Yes, it was, yeah. And it was a clause in the local government act, uh, which basically forbade the teaching of homosexuality as an inverted commas sort of normal practice. Yes. It was not to be taught as a sort of accepted form of sexuality or yes. an accepted form of family. For example, teachers couldn't talk to their classes about a family that had two mums. No, or, it, sort of was, yes, it, was a, it was a reaction Basically, it was a law written by the tabloids in response to yeah. GLC uh, having a special book in, their, in in school libraries for ch children who might have had gay parents. And uh, there was lots of pressure at this time from conservatives for the notion of no sex mm. before marriage. You know, they wanted a world of no homosexuality, no prostitution, that, you know, in mm. public. And rather than deal with the consequences of reality, they want to sweep it all under the carpet. But at the same time, it was becoming clear that heterosexual sex could also result in getting a disease yeah and so absolutely there was a sort of battle going on in Westminster between the Puritans you know uh, and yeah. the uh, realists yeah I was working in Parliament this time I was um, a research assistant to Alf Dubbs MP and we shared an office with uh, Frank Dobson who was Labour's health spokesman and I remember but, I was like yeah. I was 22 years old or 20 yeah 23 maybe and Frank Dobson it's up to him to come up with Labour's reaction to and put pressure on the government mm. he came in after reading all the stuff and he just went you won't stop people shagging. And that was his, yeah. that was his that line. That is the bottom line. But this has always been the problem with, with sort of conservative thinking, isn't yeah. it? Is that they, they make policy based on moral obligations that people don't adhere to. Absolutely. And, and it's pointless. We know that from, you know, the war against drugs. People yeah. take drugs. So yeah. what you do is you make that safe. You make yeah. sure people have the information they need. You can't be a libertarian on one hand and then yeah. saying, but don't take drugs. You know, you, it, it's such a load of, yeah. contradictory hypocritical wank yeah that and particularly in Westminster I mean Christ Tory politicians in Westminster telling people not to use prostitutes and bloody not to engage in are you having a laugh thank, like thank you caller we were actually uh <laughs> we we're actually just we we're actually discussing the uh um homeschooling but thank you for your call <laughs> but you know what I'm saying yeah, I do, I do, and, and, and this I mean that's what insistence on not accepting yeah exactly that's what I mean that people aren't going to stop having sex because Margaret Thatcher tells them not to exactly. if anything it's just going to turn them on more <laughs> being, being having a dominatrix telling them what <laughs> exactly. they must and mustn't do so I went to him to the public gallery in Westminster and saw him give his speech in parliament mm. and it was basically a longhand way of saying you won't stop people shagging um, <laughs> meanwhile in the government the same debate was being had and the health minister at that time was Norman Fowler who uh, right. is still around he was he's today the speaker of the house of lords but he actually yeah. listened to his advisors most importantly uh, Sir Donald Acheson who my neighbour Richard mm. Smith says was the real hero of the hour uh, he was a, he was the chief medical he, officer. That's right. Yeah, and he was lobbying hard. He was there, Chris Whitty. He was. He was lobbying hard for a very strong campaign. He said millions yeah. would die if the message didn't cut through, and that is, you know, he was really saying this could be an yeah. absolute disaster. Thatcher was squeamish about it, right? Squ Thatcher thought telling people about risky sex would make them. Yeah, like like people didn't know risky sex was a thing until you told them about it. I don't it. think she did, Angela. I think between you and me, <laughs> just because she didn't, she had she had sex once and had twins, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah oh you maybe think about Margaret Thatcher having sex John I need a moment do you not do that what? very often Angela <laughs> all the time John it's the only way I can get going these days um, <laughs> so she wanted all this rude stuff taken out of the uh, posters the advertising campaign that they were drawing up yeah. but she wanted the opposite of the message that the government needed to put out um, mm. but again this was a very different time condoms were never seen on television they were never mentioned no. and no one ever no. Never, Lots of people didn't know there was such a thing as anal sex. Yeah. It was sort of like shocking. 
But yeah. uh, Norman Fowler fought his corner and he persuaded Thatcher. Now, John, just stop you there. Are you telling me that that was a Tory minister, Norm, Norman Fowler? Was, yes. Was good, John. Is that what you're saying? He was doing good. The Tory minister was doing good things. Is I, that what you're I, saying, John? I, I, I have a, I have my Labour Party membership card in my wallet. I... John Norman Fowler, good, good or bad? Got, Come down on the side. Did he do good things or bad things, John? He, Norman Fowler did a very good. G- g- I can't <laughs> say, on, John, Angela. You can do it. I can't Come on, do John. it. Norman Fowler Get it out. did it. You can good, do it. Did a, It was okay. All right. He did a. <laughs> no. To be fair, I went to an event last year. Because uh, I know someone who's a consultant, uh, Clive Anderson's wife, Jane Anderson. Uh, mm. uh, she was holding a, she, she was involved with this whole charity. Uh, but she's been an AIDS consultant uh, for like many, many decades now. And um, mm. Norman Fowler is sort of the, the patron of this charity. And he was talking about this. It was very interesting to hear him talk about his arguments he had I with bet. Thatcher. And um, a different minister in that position. We might have had a, many, many more deaths and a much less hard-hitting campaign because uh, mm. he pushed through a campaign against Thatcher's wishes that was very hard hitting and sort of made everyone sit up. And you might, the older listeners might remember it. In 1987, the AIDS don't I die of ignorance. You must have been like very, 10 or something well, or eight or something. So I would have been, when that came out, I would have been 10. Right. And I can remember, so at that age, I sort of, I didn't really know what it was about. I knew that AIDS was a thing and I knew that it was something grown ups talked about. And I knew it w- involved something that I wasn't supposed to know right. about. But it was on telly. You know the adverts I mean. were on telly. Sort of, the posters. The were on... adverts were on telly, yeah. and it was the adverts were, I mean, scary, over the top. They, I think well, no, but it's really frightening. So, you know, uh, you know, and, and it was it was grave. I don't know. It was justifiably a... so. John, it was... mm, we'll have that debate. No, but no, um, the whole point is to shake people out of complacency and say, look, yeah. concentrate on this, guys. Yeah. Uh, it did, but it also, I think, was it didn't help the gay cause i think that advert no that, that was that was the, it, that was a debate to be had uh, that the yes. people most at risk um, but wasn't able I, to I remember watching the telly and i was with my cousin james who's two years younger than me so he would have been about seven or eight right. and we were watching the telly and the aids advert came on and he had a little dog called casey right and um james just watched this advert and just burst into tears my god and okay. his mum went are you all right james what's wrong and he just went i don't want casey to die of ignorance little doggy i don't want casey to die of ignorance oh, and his mum so had sweet. to go well, casey's not gonna die of ignorance it's fine <laughs> uh, uh, i remember that actually when those leaflets came around i remember that one landing on my mm. doorstep it was in the middle of a freezing spell like the one we just had our whole country was frozen up and every one gets a leaflet, so you've got to wear a condom. And all the old people are like, is that warm, to keep warm? Yeah. What is this? Do I put them on my fingers or what? I remember being at a parents' evening at school. And again, these adverts, you know, were starting to be on TV. And yeah. a lot of, on the news and stuff, people were talking about being gay. And it was the first time, I, you know, I grew up in Maidstone in Kent. It's not like we, you know, I, yes. I didn't know any gay people when I was 10. I mean, I probably did, but yeah. I didn't know that I did. Yeah, and um, yeah. I can remember being at a, a parents' evening with my mum, and we were sort of waiting to go in and see the teachers. There were other parents and other kids, and I was sort of chatting to some of my friends. And obviously, this subject had come up about, you know, did, what yeah. what does it mean to be gay? So I was like, I'll ask my mum. Hang on. So I shout across the room oh, okay. to my mum, like, Mum, what does gay mean? <laughs> and my mum, in front of all these parents, to give her her due, she perfectly calmly just went, Well, she said it's when if you're a girl, you prefer girls, and if you're a boy. You prefer boys, and I said, "Oh, so I'm gay because boys are horrible." Like, and just from that moment, thought I was gay because boys yes, smell, okay. you know. 
Um, <laughs> oh, fair enough. Fair enough. That's good enough yeah. reason. I mean, the um, the campaign itself was warning straight people. Yeah. It was, you know, uh, that was criticised that in retrospect that it didn't do enough, you know, for for, for targeting the population that was most at mm. risk. But uh, that said, no, not all gays were reading gay news or going to gay clubs and dancing. To and that's the other thing is, we're still not aware. Yeah, of the disease, I think a lot you know. of people think that if you're gay, then you are part of that scene, that, that community. community, and no, not no, all not gay people are. Um, no, and so, no. while the message was getting out through the gay and lesbian switchboard and the people in that community in that place, yeah. there are plenty of gay people across the country that the message maybe wasn't getting to. Absolutely. The leaflet gave phone lines. They didn't tell the switchboard charities that they were going to put their numbers on this leaflet. So suddenly these people were overwhelmed with calls. Mm. Lots of straight people absolutely terrified and ringing them up and thinking they had it already. Yeah. Um, everyone with a bit of a cold went, oh my God, have I got yeah. it. And the actual don't die of ignorance thing was that there's a John Hurt voiceover, this huge monolith being sculpted. Oh, and it turned out it was grave. a massive grave. Lilies thrown on top at the end. And it was, it was very scary yeah. and you know terrifying. I do remember a later advert. I remember, I, this is probably early 90s now, but then, because obviously the, the messaging then was wear a condom. Um, that went sort of through mm. the 90s, really, you know, the wrap it up and all of that business. Yes. But I remember that. Do you remember the advert with the old fella and Geronimo? Google yes. this. Do you remember right, yeah, the cinema. Like a, a condom that. A World War called... One. A World War One. It was, <laughs> it was like, like a, a. God, it was like a piece of hose. Well, he hose said it was like taking a bath in, a, in your socks or something. <laughs> was how he described oh, it. I just remember that. It was a good advert, actually. It was a funny Google advert. It. I'm sure it's on YouTube, but I yeah. just remember it being. We'll see if we can, this see if we can tweet it out. Old guy it. going, yeah. you, you know, you're moaning about wearing a condom. Look what I had to use. <laughs> yeah, and it was about two <laughs> and inches thick. wash it, it yeah. and reuse it, and he had it in a little yeah. box. Yeah, Geronimo. Anyway, yeah, just remember that. In April 1987, they opened the first ever dedicated AIDS ward. And this was to be opened by uh, Princess Diana. Yes. Now, this was a big uh, moment. Yeah. Those staff at that unit had, had kept their jobs secret from people they knew. They couldn't tell friends and family because people were scared that they might catch people AIDS. People still off the weren't there. really understanding, were they? That there were very specific yeah. ways of passing on the disease. And even if people knew that, they didn't necessarily believe it. You know, people didn't want to use the same cuts right. or the same knives and, then, and forks or, you know, that people were exactly. paranoid. So still a lot of fear around, a lot of ignorance. Mm. But Princess Diana went in there and uh, she shook hands with an AIDS yep. victim. Uh, she didn't wear gloves. She was photographed mm. doing it. And so in one photo, really, she killed the idea that um, AIDS could be contracted by mm. casual contact. And I, I remember I was just starting out my comedy career at this point. I remember there's a sketch at News Review and Princess Diana is shaking hands with an AIDS victim and this... 10-foot pole came through the curtain with a white glove on the end. <laughs> and it's got a huge laugh in the audience because everyone's going, that's what I actually was thinking that you might do. But I do but, wonder, um, you know, at the beginning of the COVID pandemic, like when Boris yeah. was giving it all, I shook hands with coronavirus. But yeah, you're like, I know, I know. A, you think, you're not Princess Diana, mate. Don't, and also, no, and you're wrong. coronavirus can be passed on <laughs> in that way. Yes. So stop it. So Diana was listening to the scientists and yeah. he wasn't listening to yeah, the scientists. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so... I mean, but I do remember there was a there was a uh, transvestite in a pub I used to go to in Exeter when I was a student there. He was always sitting up the bar. He was an ancient bloke. He was about 70, but he wore a bra underneath and little stockings. And he went to the toilet. And after he went in, one of the blokes went, I'm just going in there to wipe it down. Don't want to catch oh, AIDS God. off. We all thought, that's a bit much. We didn't think you could no. catch it like that. But uh, that was still that banter in the pub. Do you know what Yeah. I mean? And I think that um, went on through the 90s, actually, like using AIDS as a sort yeah. of... Oh, yeah. I don't want your AIDS or, you know, using it as an awful sort of bit of banter. I had a gay friend in the uh, in Bastille Labour Party and I remember walking down the street with him and he had pink trousers on, which is always a clue. And uh, this bloke shouted out, AIDS victim, 
thought, oh my god a, what a lovely what a lovely chap you must have you for dinner yeah but yeah that was uh that was what they were up that was like the atmosphere yeah and so when uh 1991 um freddie mercury died that was our first homegrown british star mm. star i say homegrown did he die Suzanne. before or after kenny everett Oh, that's a good question. I remember. I can uh, remember Kenny Everett dying and that being a sort of, I can't remember which was right. first. I remember Freddie Mercury. I suppose, I suppose Freddie Mercury is a bigger star, I yeah, suppose, oh, is what yeah. I'm saying. But what, he was, than Kenny he was, Everett, um, really? <laughs> <laughs> Stick a patrol. Um, yeah. I love yeah, Kenny and, Everett. Yeah, me too, actually. Yeah, that, and uh, the same year, 91, EastEnders had an AIDS uh, storyline. So I remember um, that. But Michael Cashman, wasn't it, was the actor... Yes, I remember he's been a great because campaigner. it and also it was a big story. Oh no, because sorry, the AIDS not story Michael line, Cashman. It wasn't, no, it wasn't no, Michael it, Cashman. It was Todd Carty. It was the uh, yes, it was Mark Tucker. Fowler, wasn't it? Yeah, because yeah. um, Michael Cashman was the first gay kiss on. That's no, right, I don't yeah. think they did kiss, but they were a gay couple, weren't they? And he's Lord Cashman now in the Lords. Yeah, I've yeah. been to his house. And he's got this fantastic place overlooking the River Thames on the Bend. At uh, don't uh, tell everyone where he lives, John. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're at a Labour Party fundraiser. It was there. It was lovely. What a lovely view he had. But anyway, but yeah, um, he's, um, yeah, he's a, he's been a great campaigner yeah. for, for. And of course, uh, the storyline on EastEnders was also because it was a heterosexual man with HIV, right? You know, so but, it was a big deal, wasn't it? Do you remember that Chris Morris thing on Brass Eye? Do you the good that? AIDS, bad AIDS. Yes, but, yeah, I do. He was, he was sort of playing into that idea that conservatives were sort of desperate to believe that there was mm. some sort of morality about this and some sort of punishment from a, from God and wanting to blame victims. Yeah. But, do you remember? And then there's the other thing. There's a there's a witness podcast about this. Now, if you don't know the witness podcast, it's a great 10 minute long history podcast for the BBC World Service. And they do little bite sized things to listen to. But there's a great one about the AIDS quilt. And this is the largest piece of public art in the world. And it's a panel remembering the victims of AIDS. It's 52 tons now because they keep adding to it. It was started in San Francisco in 1987 and it's now in Atlanta, Georgia. But it's absolutely massive. They unrolled it outside Washington, D.C. and it sort of went on forever. Mm. But uh, there's yeah, been also, because there's the musical, is it the Elegies for Angels, Punks and Raging Queens? That was about. Yeah. Um, it, it, it started to enter into quilt, the sort of. And it was, yeah. Uh, yeah, an incredible. Uh, yeah, I think that was in the late 80s. Got, that. Yeah. It started entering into the sort of cultural domain at some point yeah. in the early 90s. It wasn't until 1996 that there's a um, combination of sort of multiple antiretroviral drugs um, known as highly active antiretroviral therapy, HART, mm. H-A-A-R-T, became standard treatment for HIV. And that has been highly successful. It means that the progression yeah. from HIV to AIDS is uh, increasingly rare. HIV no, now is no longer a death sentence, is it? You can no, live with no, HIV be, yeah. forever. Yeah. Um, you can take antiretrovirals. You can, to the point where a viral load can't even be detected. Yes. And, and so, if you're at that point, then you can't pass it on. And then the year after that, New Labour were elected. And I think they led rather than followed, I would mm. uh, assert, a massive change in attitude to gay people. Civil partnership, gays allowed in the army, age of consent lowered to 16. Yeah. It's much more equal sort yeah. of... Um, Put, putting homosexual people on an equal footing with heterosexual absolutely, people in terms absolutely. of what, and then, you this know. Was, this was government leading public opinion, not following it, I think. Yeah. That was quite a, quite a principal thing to do. There was no votes in it at that point. They lost a couple of votes in the House of Lords, mm. but they kept pushing it through. So about this point, about mm. 2000, I'm on uh, Any Questions and Newsnight and things, mm. and they kept putting me opposite this Telegraph journalist called Boris Johnson. Because I was, I was in The Guardian, he was in The Telegraph, I was standing mm. in Maidenhead, he was standing in Henley. And uh, I was on Any Questions with him, and uh, Section 28 was the hot topic, one of the hot topics. And he goes, John, 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 what, 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 I think of, what do I think of Section 28? 
That's and, what he uh, said to you. Yeah. And he and I said, well, you're against it, Boris. He goes, yeah. Do, am, I, am I? Tell me why I'm against it. And I said, well, because Section 28 makes it illegal for teachers to talk frankly with their students about homosexuality. They either have to ignore it or be negative about it. And those students might be struggling with coming out themselves. And yeah. so it's a sort of barbaric piece of legislation written by the tabloids and any civilised person should be against it. You're right, John. You're absolutely right. I'm against it. I'm against it. And I thought, great, I persuaded a significant Tory commentator that he's against Section 28. Next, next, you know, then he goes on the panel, completely supporting uh, Section 28, writes about it in the Telegraph, that he's, uh, he thinks it's a load of nonsense to uh, repeal it's, Section it's 28. Almost that, like Boris Johnson does whatever makes him popular, like, Whichever it? way the wind is blowing whichever with my the... tribe, I will just follow that. So that's an early indication of our future of what primary. was to come. Who'd have thought he'd be a bloody prime minister? I certainly didn't at that point. Gosh. Whatever happened to him? He this didn't become a... MP for uh, uh, 10 sides. Oh, he did. Yeah. He didn't <laughs> become. Oh, yeah. No, he did. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't become mayor of. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, he did. Um, um, so, yes. Around this time. So, yeah, the early 2000s was when I was working on a mental health project in the West End oh, wow. um, of London. And I worked with a group of gay men who had HIV. Um, as a as a mental health worker and it was really interesting because they'd obviously you know they were uh they lived in the west end some in soho some in you know and had lived through that time so their stories were incredible but they'd also you know these men had seen most of their friends die god that's incredible um you know and the and i remember there's one that always just sticks with me there's one a guy and he was this sort of old drag queen proper old soho drag queen yeah. and um i went to visit him one day and he'd just been to another funeral and because at this point even though you know there were retrovirals and stuff by now for a lot of people it was too late yeah um you know people were still dying of aids then and i remember him just say i said how how did it go and he just looked at me and he went if I have to go to one more fucking funeral where they play them out to I will survive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so brilliant. Of, oh, God. Uh, and it was yeah. just a real sort of moment of I'm done. You know, he, he was like, he sort of made a joke about it. But he was like, I'm yeah. done of going to my friend's funerals. These yeah. fabulous gay funerals. I am done with it. I don't want to, Yeah, you yeah. know, I, I can't keep going to these funerals. Oh, God, I know. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and also yeah. him, you know, be able to, for them to, him to make a joke about the cliche of the song that they yeah. they played out to. Yeah. God. Yeah, I mean, I think gradually over the decade, the, the deaths got fewer and the, the drugs were taking effect. And uh, in um, 2016, I'm jumping right forward now, but Rihanna and Prince Harry took an mm-hmm. HIV test together. Yeah, uh, which brilliant. is uh, which is amazing. It shows you how mainstream and acceptable that has become. Yeah. And um, I think it's worth, you know, AIDS is still a thing. Um, yes, it's not. Gone and away. I do know, I do know young men who are HIV positive, but it's you know they've treated to the point where they can live a yeah inverted commas normal life. Yeah. Um, but I think we have to remember, don't we, that it's all right for us in the prosperous West where we can yes. afford the medication, yes. um, and where we have the medication available. It's not like that in lots of countries where populations are still decimated by AIDS and HIV. In 2019, they reckon around 690,000 people died from AIDS-related illnesses worldwide, Mm. which is an enormous amount, even though, you know, it's compared to 1.7 million in 2004. Yeah. 
1 million in 2010. But, you know, 33 million people around the world have died of it. 75% of those in sub-Saharan Africa. So I've been talking, we've been talking, of course, about Britain and America, as we tend to. But, it's, you know, it's Africa has really suffered. My geography teacher at school, she worked for the British Red Cross. Oh, yeah. She'd done um, a trip to Africa. She was a sort of health advisor. And right. she'd gone to Africa with a team to promote safe sex. And I can't remember where in Africa it was, unfortunately, because I was only young when I heard this story. But she told this story about how they were teaching these women how to use condoms. Oh, right. And um, they were using, they had a tree and they were showing them how to unroll them on the like twigs of the tree. Oh God, I know what's coming. You know what's coming, don't you? I guess, they yeah, thought, by the way, when they came back, they just saw yeah. trees full of condoms. Oh, oh God. Because... Yeah. <laughs> they thought, well, that's what he's told us to do. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. So yeah. a language barrier. And um, yeah. yeah, they had to go, yeah. no, no, that's not where you put them. I remember um, when I was um, giving blood about 10, 15 years ago, the first time I'd sort of gone back after having not done it for a while. And I had to, this woman made me do this questionnaire and uh, she said, uh, this elderly nurse, she goes, have you had um, sex with a prostitute in any of these African countries? And I went, oh, let me have a look at the list. Yeah. Uh, oh, Guinea, it's Guinea and Guinea-Bissau. They're different, aren't they? I always get those two mixed up. It's like, have you had uh, unprotected anal sex in the past five years? Five years. I can't, I can't remember every party and every book launch and every literary soiree. But there's quite a controversy surrounding that as well, that, you know, Gay men who want to give blood can't because there's an assumption that they're, yeah, yeah. you know, not practicing safe sex. So keep um, practicing safe sex, everyone. Continue to wear a yes, condom, young people. Yes, wear a condom, please. Don't have sex poor marriage or even be on your own gone, with someone gone, of the opposite. Gone, podcast, a rom script, gone. a rom script again. That's <laughs> your evangelist podcast. Yeah, well, keep slipping over to that bit of paper. <laughs> that is probably lots more to say about that, but yeah. uh, we Do might be able to say no welcome. If you haven't, it's intensely moving and a really, you know, Yes. Really good show. Well done, Russell T. Davis. Yes. Well done, Norman Fowler. I'm going to say it. Well done, well Norman done, Fowler, the John, Tory minister. Well done, John, for saying well done to, to a Tory minister. I'm impressed. Because, because Donald Eshton made you. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, no, he did. He listened to the advice. He listened to the scientists, which is something our government yes. could do with a little bit more of. That's all from wearehistory.pod this week. What, what, what is it, John? We are dot <laughs> history pod, <laughs> Um <laughs> How many of these episodes have we done now, John? Dob, dob Pod History Com. Yeah, and that's the one. Well done. Give us five stars, you bastards. Um, <laughs> okay, tweet, tweet, tweet John on um, we are at We Are History Pod or yeah. tweet that lovely band that John likes to tweet yeah. uh, and, at We Are um, History. And we'll be back next week with something equally cheery as a bloody AIDS crisis. I mean, that's yeah. the trouble with history. It's all a bit grim, isn't it? It is a bit grim. Maybe we should try and find some happy history. <sighs> happy history. The invention <laughs> of the bunny rabbit. <laughs> the rampant rabbit. No, that's a different yeah, podcast. Yeah, no, all right. <laughs> See you next time. See you next time. Bye. I just don't know why young people complain about having to wear condoms against HIV virus and AIDS. Look what we had to put up with. I called it Geronimo, my friend. Compared with the condoms of today, it was like wearing the inner tube of a cycle. It wasn't disposable like the modern condoms. It was designed to be used again and again. It was like having a bath with your socks on, but it never stopped me in no way.